You're listening to the DB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, today we are going to be talking all about being firewise and living in the West or really living anywhere where wildfire is a possibility and what you can do to protect your family, protect your property, and protect your community. We've got a great interview coming up for you with a couple of experts, and we'll get into that right after these messages. There's a price you pay to get away, to live outside the bounds. Is your dog's true nature shining through, along with a shiny coat, too? Find out by filling up your pet's bowl with Purina One True Instinct Dog Food, available at D&B Supply. Purina One True Instinct gets back to nature and back to basics. Inspired by your dog's gut instinct to naturally choose nutrient-dense food, the expert nutritionists at Purina One developed a recipe that puts pure protein front and center. The proof is printed right on the back of every True Instinct bag. First and foremost on the ingredient list, you'll find turkey, lamb, salmon, chicken, or other meaty treats. This protein-packed punch is paired with whole grains, vitamins, and antioxidants to provide complete and balanced nutrition for adult dogs. Let your dog's coat shine through by dishing out Purina One True Instinct Dog Food, available at your favorite D&B supply. During calving season, your livestock operation really comes alive. On your ranch, be born ready with Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment, available at D&B Supply. For almost 80 years, Powder River has stood out as leaders in the livestock handling field with continuous equipment innovation to help ranchers work up close with their livestock safely and with minimal stress. When it's close to calving season, be prepared and check out the Powder River Homesteader Calving Deluxe Pin at D&B. An excellent multi-purpose health pin, this safe enclosure is optimally designed for calving and doctoring with a sweep gate, a bow gate, and a self-catching head gate to open up incredible access and control for calving assistance. To bring your calves into the world, then bring them upright. Stop on by select D&B Supply Stores for Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment. The choice is Joining us today is Carrie Stenick, the fire prevention lead from the Boise District of the Bureau of Land Management. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, glad to have you and excited about this topic. Very, very useful. And in addition to Carrie, we have Brett Van Papagam, the Southern Idaho Project Manager for Idaho Firewise. Thank you so much for being here, Brett. Thanks, Matt. You bet. Well, I'll tell you what, I think what I'd like to start out by doing is explain to our listeners what it is each of you does. So, Carrie, let's begin with you. What what does the Fire Prevention Lead do for, for the Boise District BLM? Yeah, Matt. Uh, so, I'm pretty fortunate here in, um, in Boise. Uh, we work a lot with our local partners, both at the state and local level, also other federal partners with the U.S. Forest Service. And just trying to make Boise a safer place to recreate and and also to live. I know a lot of us enjoy living along the Boise front. And so my job here in Boise is just to make sure that that while people are out doing our recreating and building homes along the wildland urban interface, that they're doing it safely and uh, keeping fire prevention in mind as well. Great. And I think that's probably something that applies all over our region, really, anywhere in the West. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. Well, good. That's going to be great information. Now, Brett, what does Idaho Firewise do? So Idaho Firewise is a non-for-profit organization that collaborates with federal, state, and local fire agencies to um, develop a um, 
educational message about living safely with wildfire. Okay, perfect. And then, so your job as a Southern Idaho project manager, what does that look like? Uh, well, for one, I manage the Firewise Demonstration Garden that's um, here in Boise, out by the Idaho Botanical Gardens. Uh, it's a cooperative project with the College of Western Idaho Horticulture Program. Mm-hmm. And then in recent years, we've uh, developed satellite sites uh, around the state now. Um, one we have in Eagle, uh, another one at the College of Southern Idaho in Twin Falls, and so spreading out across the state. Good. So we're able to spread that education around the state. Right. Wonderful. And, you know, we're on in Oregon as well. And I don't know, Do you, are you aware uh, of anything like what Idaho Firewise is doing in, in eastern Oregon? I don't know. Well, I, I will say that um, Firewise is a nationwide program that works with the NFPA, the National Fire Protection Agency. And uh, so it is a nationwide program. But Idaho Firewise, who I work with, is specifically Idaho. Okay. So do I understand correctly then that the demonstration garden that you have set up at the Idaho Botanical Gardens are nearby, uh, that's being replicated in both Twin Falls and Eagle as well? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about that really quick. So what what is the purpose of the demonstration garden and what can people learn by going there? Multiple reasons for the demonstration gardens. One was to test the plant material and to see how well the plant material would would grow and and then the reason for having multiple sites is uh, different soil types different micro ecosystems uh, to see how well the the plants would grow there and then to be able to make better decisions on what will grow in in different parts of the state okay and then of course being a demonstration for the public to be able to come and see it touch it feel it uh, for themselves what they would like to be able to choose from. So the public, they can come there and they can say, well, I've got the same type of topography or the same type of soils or whatever that may be around my home and my structures, and this can give me an idea of how I should landscape to be fire safe. Is that? Am I understanding that correctly? Exactly. Okay. Just to explain to our listeners, the Idaho Botanical Gardens is a wonderful spot in Boise, but very educational. There's a lot of very interesting stuff that goes on there in terms of uh, vegetation and flowers and decorative landscaping, but obviously this involves safety and and protection of your of your home. Yes, very good. Now, what what is it that led you to this position? What's your history that that found you here? Wow, my history. I worked for the uh, Forest Service on the Boise uh, um, Payette Forest, actually, and uh, worked on noxious weed control, and so I had kind of a, a weed background, and then I studied horticulture through the um, BSU horticulture program, and uh, studied botany under Boise State, and then uh, started an internship with uh, BLM State Botanist, and started working on firewise, specifically plant material. Very cool. And Carrie, I've got the same question for you. So how, you know, what is your history? What has led you to be the fire prevention lead for the Boise district? You know, originally I started off on an engine on a wildland fire crew here in Boise, then got into uh, wildland fire investigating and uh, through fire investigation found my passion in prevention. And it's been great because I've been able to turn finding out what causes fires into preventing fires. 
Very fun. So when you were on the investigation side, you were trying to figure out why a fire. Like when we hear on the news that this fire was human-caused versus lightning or something like that, that was you making that determination? In some instances, yes. Okay. Well, very interesting. Well, we've got a lot of questions for you today to kind of jump in and, and help people out because it's early and people probably are not thinking about this quite yet because we still have a little bit of snow on the ground. It's still cold. It's still foggy and things like that, but it's coming, right? And and so we need to we need to know what we're doing as we get into spring and summer uh, to help protect our places. So we'll get into that here in just a sec. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at D and B Supply. Founded on the belief that riders are athletes, Ariat combines technology and engineering with the goal of making the highest quality footwear and apparel riders will ever put on. Every stitch of Ariat gear is made to last and looks timelessly in style to boot. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B supply. Western homes and families, the choice is D&B. There's a price you pay to get away, to live outside the bounds. When you love your dogs and cats like members of the family, you feed them like family too. Dish out the best nutrition for your furry little friends with Blue Pet Food, available at D&B Supply. Made with high-quality natural ingredients, plus life source bits with active nutrients and antioxidants, Blue starts every dog and cat food recipe with real meat, then adds in garden vegetables and antioxidant-rich fruit. Blue Pet Food does not contain artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. Plus, there's never any corn, wheat, or soy, and no chicken or poultry byproduct meals. All this care goes into every pet food bag, so your cats and dogs live happy, healthy lives. For every four-legged member of your family, stop on by D&B Supply for Blue Pet Food. The choice is D&B. Well, now that we're back from our break, I, I guess I want to start off by just asking, what is FireWise Landscaping? And either one of you that wants to take that, just go ahead. So FireWise Landscaping is a lush, healthy, beautiful landscape. It doesn't have to be stark and bare. It can be very attractive. We're trying to minimize the amount of, of fuel. So a fire needs fuel to be able to burn mm -hmm. and quite often the landscape is just exactly that so we want to intermix uh, hardscapes like patios or pathways and, and rock features to break up continuous fuel and then choosing particular types of plants and arranging them in a way that is minimizing the amount of fuel directly to the home. Okay. And so we don't want something that burns very, very hot and very, very big right next to a house or something like that. Right. Okay. And Carrie, do you have anything to add to that? I would just add that the three kind of easy ways to remember fireways landscaping, we like to say clean, green, and lean. So lean, clean, and green. It's a great way to remember it. So we want to keep everything clean. We also want to keep it green, well-watered, 
and clean. So we want to get rid of that old dead material also. Okay. And when you say clean, what does that refer to? So clean, that's referring just to making sure that you have taken care of the maintenance. So once you've planted a tree, that you've taken the care to go in there and to make sure that it's trim. Right. I don't know if Brett, you can elaborate a little bit more into that. Clean, I would say, is maintenance, keeping things well maintained. So plants that produce a lot of leaf litter, that that litter is being kept up with and and picked up. And the plant choice can play a big part on uh, how much maintenance you're doing if you choose plants that produce less leaf litter than you're reducing the amount of maintenance. Okay, very good. And so as you're describing this landscape, I'm picturing, for example, if you live in a fire-prone area, then how does that impact your ability to have trees and, and tall vegetation like that? One concept we use is zones and designing the landscape in a, a series of zones. Mm-hmm. And zone one being that first 30 feet surrounding the house. And in that zone should be only low-growing, well-watered, like lawn is a good example or a perfectly appropriate uh, well-maintained and mowed short type of plant material. Mm-hmm. We hope to try to reserve the larger trees a little further away from the house, out say 30 feet and beyond, and then spacing those trees uh, at least three times their height away from each other. Okay. Let's talk about this for a second. So why is having a firewise landscape property important? Having a firewise landscape property you have to kind of consider it is with um, like ADT and you're going to take the time and you're going to protect your home from burglars. Now wildland fire, it's interesting because it's become a part of our culture. It's a part of the Idaho ecosystem now, especially out here in the West. So as more and more people move to Boise and kind of that wildland urban interface is the wildland in particular is encroached more and more on. And, and, We like to live close to where we recreate. It's Mm -hmm. one of the benefits that we have here in Boise. Now, um, with that comes a certain amount of responsibility because you have to keep in mind that those houses that border right up against the wildland urban interface, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the gateways to Boise in in itself. And so you've you've got moving from the wildland into an urban setting and what those homeowners do and how they choose to maintain their property and design their property affects all of us. At the BLM, and I know at Idaho Firewise also, that we believe that fire prevention is everybody's responsibility. It's every it's every person in every community across this nation, not just in the West, but coast to coast. Have that conversation. Have it around your dinner table. Have it around your campfire. Talk about wildfire. Bring it to the forefront. Help us change the culture. It starts at the ground level with each of us and, and with everything else that we're doing. Um, so help us make Boise safe. All Talk right. Talk about it. Yeah, and, and you were saying, and we were off the air a second ago, but you are saying, really, people want to live in a safe community, and this is one thing that people can do, mm-hmm. and everybody can make a difference to keep their community safe. Absolutely, yes. That is really why it's in, why it's important, because it, it affects all of us that live in Boise, mm-hmm. especially everybody that lives along the Boise front and the Boise foothill. Uh, Boise is a wonderful example because it's expanding so quick, and it's expanding on the eastern side, which is a foothill region, and there's lots of vegetation, and there's lots of fuel, and, and things like that. But this, this applies to communities mm-hmm. throughout our entire listening right. area, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody who lives in the west and deals mm-hmm. with the dry conditions in the summer Mm-hmm. They've seen or heard about wildfires, and they and they know how that can 
that can impact things. Exactly. But we've had some uh, we've had some poignant reminders about this in Boise. We had one last summer where I used to live, burned right around the neighborhood I used to live in when we lived in town. Mm-hmm. And then several years ago, when I was a first responder in Boise, uh, we had one over uh, in the Columbia Village area, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, that was a really catastrophic fire. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely something to to keep in mind. Uh, which homeowners should be concerned about the flammability of their yards? Or I guess the better question or way of putting it is, who should be firewise? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's something for everybody to be aware of. Some homes might need to be more concerned than others. And of course, our first area of concern is out on the edge, the perimeter periphery area of the the city. But um, I think sometimes we overlook even inner city spaces. For example, just uh, last summer, we had a fire on Protest Protest Hill, which right. is maybe kind of more interior. If we're down where I live, say by the river, I might be more concerned about a flood hazard and not so concerned about if I fire wise or mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. But just a mile away from me is Protest Hill and some of our bench areas have little mini wildland areas just below homes and so it's i think it's something for for all idahoans to be at least aware of it yeah absolutely yeah you reminded me of that fire we had on protest hill in boise last summer we had a bad summer last summer (laughs) when it came Mm -hmm. to fires we had a lot of fires that were very visible Mm -hmm. um, especially to the residents that were in and around boise and eagle so we've had this really wet winter, and it seems like we're doing good on moisture and things like that. How does that impact our fire season? You know, it's interesting. I was just having a conversation with some of our uh, fuels folks before before we came out here uh, to this radio broadcast, and it's a little bit too early to tell what, what the fuels are going to do at this point. I know that it's certainly something that they're monitoring very closely, and uh, we'll be looking somewhere around April into April, early part of May, before they can um, really know what what impacts that's going to have on the cheatgrass and the other vegetation. All right, everybody, we'll be right back after this commercial. There's a price you pay to get away, to live outside the bounds. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hardworking and hard-playing people in the West, and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at D&B Supply. During the Great Depression, the Danner Boot Company was founded on the stubborn belief that, regardless of the economy, superior craftsmanship mattered. Much has changed since the first Danner boot was made, but their dedication to crafting a superior product has not. Hold a Danner boot in your hand and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner Boots on for size. Did you know that a horse's top line plays an important role in how that horse performs, looks, and feels? That's why Neutrina offers top line balance in select horse feeds, available at D&B Supply. While saddle fit, genetics, and exercise are most frequently blamed for a poor top line, nutrition actually plays the most critical role. Neutrina's top line balance fuels the muscles that support the spine from the neck to the hindquarters to improve performance, motion, and drive. Not all feeds are created equal, and not all feeds can improve a horse's top line. It took years of research and field trials to develop this unique approach to equine health. 
So look for the Top Line Balance logo on select Neutrina horse feeds. For a healthier Top Line, stop on by D&B Supply for Top Line Balance from Neutrina. Western homes and families, the choice is D&B. Okay, so I understand from your very helpful show prep, helping me prep for this interview, that there are four components of being firewise that we want to talk about. Can we talk about those now? Sure, yeah. So uh, when we talk about the four components of being firewise, it's kind of a local adaptation here. And so, yeah, we talk about firewise landscaping, but that goes in conjunction with these three other areas. So the next one being the structural integrity, so the home itself, and that's firewise building materials, maintenance, things like that. But we also like to talk about being prepared for a wildfire, having an evacuation kit, not just having that, but knowing how to use it rehearsing, practicing with your families, um, making sure that you guys are ready because I think that we've all kind of accepted, especially living here in Boise, that it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And and lastly, the the last component in that is um, understanding how wildfires can start and what we can do to prevent those. And so that's not just knowing that uh, you have to be cautious with weed whackers around rocks and stuff. You Mm -hmm. know, we're talking about parking in dry grass along roadways we're talking about using fireworks in 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 a in a good in a good you know safe manner we're talking about campfires i mean all those all those components go into being firewise and so it's just having a better understanding what wildfire is the place that it holds in our in our community now and and how we can curb that and prevent and make boise safer sure well that's very interesting so like what type of things do you recommend being in your evacuation kit So in your evacuation kit, you really want to make sure that you have a good up-to-date list of contact numbers. Those are easy to have on your fridge and and things like that for your babysitter, but you make sure that you have a copy of those in there also. Things like medication, food, water, supplies for your pet, extra car keys, extra house keys. Basically, everything that you need for your family to sustain for 24 to 48 hours. In an emergency type situation, we like to talk about control. So the two things that a homeowner, you as a homeowner have control over in that situation is how you plan, how you plan ahead of the wildfire and how you react when the wildfire happens. And so that's having a kit, knowing how to use that kit. And then once you've practiced, of any of us who have trained in any type of situation, you always fall back to training. And so that's with your kids as well, mm-hmm. making sure that your kids are aware of where the evacuation kit is, what the components are, and how they need to use it. So is this the type of situation where you would you would practice with your family and if if not everybody was together when a fire happened, you would have a place where you would meet offside or something like that? Yeah. So um, if not everybody's home and, the, and they very well, you know, may not be, it may be the middle of the night, it may be first thing in the morning, you're just, you know, wildfires can happen whenever. So yeah, having a designated meeting place. I think with the kit, the most important thing is having it in a central location where everybody knows where it is. And that's every member of the family down to your three-year-old daughter. Everybody needs to know where that kit's at. It's important. Okay. All right. Now, Brett, I want to jump over to you for a second. How do we determine which plants are firewise and which are not? So, first of all, any any plant can burn, but uh, some plants burn more readily than others. Okay. And one of the first things we look at is the chemistry within the plant. So, plants that contain terpenes, resins, or oil are avoided and so that would be like your your junipers sage and pine are very oily or resinous plants and would be highly flammable so we look for more fire resistant type of chemicals such as soap 
and or pectin, latex, and salt. We choose from those types of plants and the moisture content, like your succulents that have a really high moisture content are going to not ignite as easily and or burn as hot. Uh, like I said, anything will burn, but some things will burn a lot hotter. If it's if it's got oil in it, it's going to burn pretty hot mm-hmm. and produce a lot of flame length. Such or compared to like a sedum or a succulent, um, yeah, it may eventually burn, but it's not going to produce much heat or flame length. And then the growth habit is is also important. We like to choose from plants that are are more tight and compact with uh, less um, oxygen uh, around the plant. So that helps it uh, um, not ignite as easily. That's a great segue into asking about defensible space and this concept of defensible space. I know we've kind of touched on it here and there going through, but who would like to jump in and explain the concept of defensible space? I'll talk a little bit about that. I, I mentioned earlier zones. So we we like to develop this zone concept, and some literature talks about zone one being just the home itself Mm -hmm. and hardening off the home itself and the first five feet immediately surrounding it being non-combustible material only. And then with the landscaping, zone one could go out to 30 feet uh, surrounding the home and using uh, rock mulches and low-growing plants, and then zone two out to 100 feet, and zone three maybe 100 to 200 feet, depending on slope. So we need to consider slope as well for when we determine these zones because uh, fire will uh, travel more readily up up a slope, so we may need to extend out to 200 feet if you have a lot of slope. Mm Mm-hmm. On the term defensible space, I really kind of prefer the term survivable space. Defensible space implies that fire personnel are going to be there to defend you. Mm -hmm. And um, that may not always be the case. Um, Many times, uh, especially if we're way far out in the wildland urban interface, fire personnel may not make it there. And the only defense we have is is what we, the homeowner, have done ourselves to create a survivable space. Mm-hmm. And Carrie, do you have anything to add on to that? Um, I would just add that, uh, that the landscape that you choose uh, to install on your property truly is your first line of defense against wildfire. There is no better line of defense than, than how you choose to landscape your property. Well, Carrie, I know I've seen in Bureau of Land Management literature these great photos where fire has burnt 360 degrees around somebody's property, but obviously they have landscaped it mm-hmm. perfectly and the fire never even touched the home. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about defensible space, I'm assuming that's ideal. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a best case scenario when we're talking about, uh, like Brett said, survivable space. Um, in creating that buffer, it's like we said before, that that will always be your best first line of defense. If you can't prevent fires will happen, they are inevitable, they've just become a part of our culture, be prepared. 
Okay. Well, and that's a perfect segue into talking about building materials. And we will do just that after these messages. They say legends aren't born, they're made. At Justin Boots, they're made to last. And that's why you can find this legendary Western footwear at D&B Supply. In 1879, Justin Boot Company mastered the craft of boot making. Then they spent the next century and a half perfecting it. Today, Justin Boots are still a U.S.-made tradition and an icon of Western culture. You can see the character of Justin Boots on the cowboys, cowgirls, horseback riders, and other folks who live and breathe the legacy of the West. Authentic, durable, and comfortable, Justin Boots are made of only the finest leathers and materials. You can spot the quality of the craftsmanship down to each individual stitch. From working on the ranch to riding on the trails to Saturday night on the town, Justin Boots are made for any occasion. Turns out authentic style makes a real impression, no matter what the venue. Fit for men, women, and kids alike. When you need to wear it well, Western style, stop on by D&B Supply for Justin Boots. What takes a licking to keep livestock ticking? Vitalix high-quality natural feed supplements for cattle, horses, sheep, and goats found in convenient blue tubs at D&B Supply. Fortified with natural proteins, vegetable oil, vitamins, and highly available minerals, Vitalix proves that all tubs are not created equal. A molasses-based supplement made from the best all-natural ingredients with moisture removed using a unique process, Vitalix is not chemically hardened like lesser products. That means your critters consume Vitalix at about half the rate, giving you and your livestock more bang for the buck. This is the convenient, weatherproof way to ramp up the performance of your animals. Whether you're providing routine nutrition or controlling the impact of stress from competition, weaning, drought, or quality forage, or more, you'll see the healthy changes in your herd with everything from better coats to brighter eyes. Look for the blue Vitalix tubs at D&B Supply. The choice is All right, now that we're back from break, I want to take some time to talk about building materials. We've been talking all about vegetation and the zones and defensible or survivable space and all of those different concepts. But what about the materials that we're actually constructing our homes or the outbuildings on our property with? There's a misconception, I think, that a lot of people feel that the homes burn down from the actual flame front Mm -hmm. coming right to their home. And um, research has shown that most homes actually burn down from embers okay, and uh, flying um, firebrands that are in the air and it's falling like snow and they may not even actually see the, the actual fire at all. The roof becomes um, the number one most important aspect of the building materials for the home because it's a big flat surface for embers to be able to land on. So using slate, clay tile, metal, or other class A roofing type materials is is uh, very important. Uh, fire resistant materials like stone or stucco, uh, enclosing soffits and vents. Vents are something that people might not think about mm-hmm. and to uh, consider screening the vents with uh, uh, eighth inch or smaller mesh screening uh, because the the embers can get sucked right into the attic space and then start the home on fire from the inside. Metal screens on windows instead of plastic screens because plastic can melt and then the embers are sitting up against the glass. Okay. Using um, tempered glass or double pane windows is also recommended. Other building materials for the siding using stucco, stone, 
non-flammable materials. And then considering everything that's attached to the house, like the, the deck or other structures that are mm-hmm. attached to the house and, and using fire-resistant materials for those also. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. I'd never thought about the attic vents, but of course, if you have an attic fan going or if there's if there's wind, which during a fire I assume there would be, there's going to be negative pressure in your attic. So that does create a vacuum effect that actually will pull those embers okay. in there. Whether you have an attic fan running or not, there's um, a natural vacuum happening mm-hmm. in that attic space that can literally suck embers right into the attic space and then you have embers in your insulation in your attic very interesting and you mentioned early on that uh, this could happen and you might not even be seeing the fire so how far can these embers travel and actually reignite something or i should say ignite something initially well i've heard it uh, up to as far as five miles which seems a little bit far of a stretch for sure within a mile so if you're within a mile of any rural urban or rural wildland interface, then that's a that's potentiality for you. Yes. Very interesting. Okay, Carrie, do you have something to add to that? Include your cabins in any like other outbuildings or structures that you have. And that also many of those cabins, I know like our, our cabin in Cascade has a has an attic, an event, and, and you don't readily think of that. Um, but when you're down in DMB, when you're getting the plants, um, take your time, consider things like that, pick up a screen, put it over your attic, make sure that's covered. So for somebody listening to this show, and they're going, okay, I live in this area, and I'm looking at my roof right now, and I've got wooden shakes on my roof. Mm-hmm. Retrofit, is that what you suggest? Like, no time to waste? Don't wait for it to happen? Or what do you think? Well, I, I realize it's expensive right. to replace. So I, I understand. I may not be able to afford to replace that right now. Try to at least compensate for that by having everything around it cleared out really well. Right, and I I don't think we would suggest that if you build with fire-resistant materials, you can ignore everything else, but certainly not everybody can retrofit immediately Mm -hmm. into this, I guess, most fire-safe structure possible. So taking these steps to create that survivable space Mm -hmm. uh, is probably the next best thing you could do. Let's talk about this. So maintaining your home, once you start putting in these fire-resistant materials and doing the things you need to do to be fire-wise, how do you, you know, what do you suggest on keeping that all up and, and keeping it as, as good and as safe as when you first started the project? Well, continual maintenance is is key. Sometimes I, I realize it can be overwhelming, uh, a lot of work to keep up with it. So I suggest just starting at the front door and working um, maybe uh, once a week that you go out and do some cleanup in the yard and you're working from the front door out five ten feet and and each week throughout the summer maybe a a, a little bit further and further as you go mm-hmm. um, because it can become overwhelming to try to take care of uh, a large space right. but taking little baby steps a uh, little bit at a time and realizing that it's a lifetime it's a lifestyle that right. we need to take on as this is something I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And I, I'm not going to just go out there and be able to fix it today and that's – I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be mm-hmm. from the mindset that uh, I, I'm going to be taking care of this the rest of my life. Sure. Mm-hmm. Brett brings up an, an interesting and a really important point though is that – is that making the choice to be firewise, I think, is an, 
eventually all of us will be presented with that choice whether we live along the wildland urban interface or not if you recreate and if you enjoy being in idaho outdoors you're you're going to be in a situation where you could potentially could start a wildfire so i think that um recognizing that that potential is there is super important but but also um taking into account that as we make these changes in our lives and decide to be more firewise that we're going to continue to be firewise and Mm -hmm. that we can't just build a metal house Right. And expect that um, we're going to stay in it and the fire's going to burn around us and, it, and it's going to be okay. Well, Carrie, I wanted to ask you about practicing. We had talked about that a little earlier yep. and I wanted to follow up on that. So when it when it comes to practicing or drilling with your family mm-hmm. and you talked about, you know, even your three-year-old yep. child needs mm-hmm. to know where that kid is. Mm-hmm. What suggestions do you have for parents so they don't do it in such a fashion that the kids can't sleep at night anymore? We definitely don't want that. And I think that there is... There is somewhat of a fine line, maybe uh, in between recognizing that something's important and making sure that our kids recognize that it's important and then scaring them. Now, keep in mind that you want to make wildfire an immediate threat and you want to recognize that it is scary. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and if you find yourself in, a, in an evacuation situation, no matter how many times you've been evacuated, it's still going to be scary. But with rehearsal... A lot of that fear and kind of the fear of the unknown is taken out. Um, and so when I say rehearse, um, that means actually rehearse. It means get into your car and physically leave your driveway mm-hmm. and, and rehearse it. Put the kid in there, you know, have a conversation about fire. Talk to your kids about wildfire and, and about how big of a role that it plays in our community. You know, when they see the Table Rock fire, when they see the fire up in Avamore or the Pioneer fire, take that as an opportunity as to teach them about wildfire. Mm-hmm. And hey guys, we have this kit because of where we live um, and that wildfire could happen. But if it does, this is what we're going to do as a family to, to prevent wildfires, to sure. beat wildfire. This is how we're going to do it as a family. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, now you have brought along just a ton of great information, brochures, pamphlets, and things like that. Are these things available to the public if they want to get more information from the Bureau of Land Management? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, there are uh, tremendous um, outlets for resources. So you can come on down to the Idaho State Office. It's here in Boise. Um, Any of our field offices in our outlining district should have literature pertaining to FireWise. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also get it online through Idaho FireWise, and then also through the Bureau of Land Management through the National Interagency Fire Center, which we're fortunate to have here in Boise. Sure. Also a tremendous resource. And so the information is definitely out there. Um, during May for Wildfire Awareness Month, Brett and myself and all of our entities are going to be out with the public um, educating on wildfire, trying to prevent more fires as a community and make Boise safer. Great. The Treasure Valley, Idaho, safer. <laughs> okay. And Brett, I have the same question for you. Uh, so is there, in terms of the Idaho Firewise, is there resources available for the public so they can, I guess, have more guidance at home on trying to do this? Yes, um, through the Idaho Firewise website at idahofirewise.org. Mm-hmm. You can get the information uh, from our website and then also publications that uh, we make available through events that are being put on. For example, um, a presentation that I'm doing this weekend at the BSU, a special event center on Idaho landscapes, and we'll have the uh, brochures and information available there at uh, an event like that. And then also um, even uh, on site at our demonstration gardens, we have uh, brochure boxes on site 
with the materials uh, in those brochure boxes for people to take any time. Great. And I would assume that websites are a great place to start if somebody listens to this show, but they, they're driving so they can't take notes or something like that. Websites are a great place to start to find out where presentations are taking place, where resources are available, or contact numbers for further information. Yep. Yes. Well, great. And you can always feel free to give us a call, too. There at the BLM Prevention Office, there's somebody around that can help you. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for coming on. This is really, really important information, particularly if you live in the West, but I've been thinking about that, too, as I've I've been thinking about this episode. And, you know, wildfire, actually, we see it every year in the West, so we start to, I don't know if take ownership over it is the right way to put it, mm-hmm. but certainly it happens in the east coast too the southeast just had big wildfires i mean it's certainly a topic that is important to everybody really in any environment it is yeah and i think um in a a great deal of our job is just starting that conversation they say sparking the conversation (laughs) talking about wildfire is how we begin to prevent and eventually how we can change the behavior and the culture great well thank you carrie thank you brett and uh really appreciate you being on the show thanks matt thanks matt Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the D&B Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.